0: Lord, take our minds and think with them. Take our lips and speak with them. Take our hearts and set them on fire with love for you. Amen. Amen. Good Good morning. And many thanks to you, good people of Grace Church, and a special thanks to my brother and friend, your rector, Reverend Weston Matthews. Weston is also my seminary classmate and I am pleased that he asked me to return to be with you this morning and to stand at this pulpit and do one of the few things I do well, which is to run my mouth. <laughs> you are generous to have me back and kind and I am grateful. I was pleased when I looked at the readings appointed for today and the coincidence of timing. We are called upon to testify before reluctant kings and governors. You see, this past week, we all acted. We voted. Our voting ritual is our act of paying the cost of freedom. And perhaps we are living in one of those rare times in our history when we know now, more than any other time before, just how important it is to pay that price. And just two days ago, at the 11th hour, on the 11th day, in the 11th month, we stopped again, we paused again, we remembered again, and we thanked those who served us all to protect our freedom. Truly they know the sacrifices and strength and discipline and the cost. Voting and the expression of gratefulness are our time-honored ways of taking the opportunity to bear witness, to testify as called for in this morning's gospel. You know, whenever I think of the testimony of the faithful, I recall sometimes when I was a boy, And I would find my way into old-timey churches. That's what we call those southern black country churches. Old-timey, because they had no frills, no fine appointments. There were no vestments, no colors of the liturgical season, just a piano, sometimes not even that. But inevitably, and always a tambourine. People would sing those old songs that would begin without music accompaniment, would start with the first line intoned by one person and then everybody else would pick up the rest. Everybody knew them. The rhythm was kept by patting feet, firm foot stomps on the resonant wooden four planks. The things around these faithful witnesses were simple and plain. What was not plain, however, What was not simple were those abundant and astonishing expressions of faith and joy and hope. And of course, inevitably and dependably, someone would stand up to begin to speak about the goodness of the Lord. They would tell stories, words and wisdom, as the gospel says, stories of survival and freedom and of hope. And almost always, I would know right then and there that no great learning in the auspicious halls of academe could match the eloquence of hearing the truths of someone bearing witness to their audacity of hope. Yes, that is the title of one of Barack Obama's memoirs. The audacious phrase, however, Is taken from his rhapsodic dreams from my father. If you've never read it, I recommend that you do so. And no matter what, we may or may not think of him as president, as senator, or whoever he was as a public servant or in public life. I guarantee that the time you spend with him and his humanity, Obama is a man. He's coming to terms with his life. It will leave you breathless. In dreams, he tells of his own experiences in such churches, those old-timey churches, when the congregation would, in unison, sing to thank Jesus, singing, Oh, Lord, I don't feel no ways tired. Obama wondered. Thank you, God, for all their troubles. It made no sense to me, he said. Then he followed with this moment of revelation. And listen to this, and I quote, But see, I was only looking at the horizontal dimension of their lives. I didn't understand that they were talking about the vertical dimension, about their relationship to God. I didn't understand that they were thanking him in advance for all that they dared to hope for, oh, thank you, Jesus, for not letting go of me when I let go of you. Oh, Jesus, I thank you. And they were unafraid. Well, the song is and will always be, oh, Lord, I don't feel no ways tired. I am far from where I started from, Nobody told me that this road would be easy. I don't believe you've brought me this far to leave me. And so they, with dignity and with a claim of right, stepped out to testify, to bear witness, to bear witness to injustice and to their determination to make it all right. And like the words of the gospel, they were brought before kings and governors. And it gave them the opportunity to testify as God had given them the words and the wisdom so that their opponents could neither withstand nor contradict. And like those old southern black believers, you and I testify each and every Sunday. Well, we may do it at some other times as well, but certainly, and without fail, when we come to the table. I am always and never moved by the powerful ritual of the Eucharist. When the table is set for us, the food is not brought down to where we sit or stand, no. We, as we are able, must get up and walk to the table and declare ourselves. And by so doing, we are bearing witness. Our testimony, it is just as surely as it has been for those faithful souls in old-timey churches who stand up and praise the Lord. We walk to show our intention, to work out our freedom to be God's children. And for what do we pray when we return to our places? We ask to be be delivered from the presumption of coming to the table for solace only and not for strength, for pardon only, and not for renewal. Strength and renewal to do what? To do all such good works as thou hast prepared for us to walk in, the post communion prayer says. And we also pray to grant us strength and courage to love and serve God with gladness and with singleness of heart. We don't need strength and renewal if we intend on living as if we are just passing through. Freedom is not free. Freedom to be and to love God and one another is never free, never has been. And that is as God intended. You see, when God breaks the spine of Egypt's slavery, the Israelites were not permitted the ease of sitting as a free people, enjoying a new life of ease among the enslavers. No, they were instructed to get up and go to make their way to the promised land on foot and not even a great sea could impede them. Then when they arrived at the other side, they were permitted their time of celebration. Miriam and her timbrel, dancing and singing, testifying to the greatness of the Lord. But then they had to make their way through the wilderness and always ways and ever to manage the challenges of community, working out their freedom. It was tough. These days, we endure much. There's eye-popping meanness, gratuitous public cruelty, violence, ignorance of any and all history that would inform our civic discourse. Not since the days of Jim Crow did I see, have I seen such coarse and blatant hatefulness, such raw and insatiable hunger power, and never for any articulable good, but only for the sake of gaining power and authority to serve narrow and detestable interests. Oh no, we inhabitants of Zion, we are not free to simply pass through. In an August Wilson's American Century play, Gem of the Ocean, His oracle teaches that even though the hand of justice was at the gate, the people still had to open it. You have to fight for freedom to make it mean something. Never just pass through. Do something. And to testify and to bear witness is doing something. Let me share with you a story. Many years ago, almost 50 now, I was living and working in New York and on one of my visits home in Richmond, I had an unexpectedly important day. It was morning, one late August. I was waiting for my father to return to the house to pick me up and drive me to the train station for my return trip to New York. It was one of those rare late summer mornings when we can feel the first crisp of autumn air. And on those mornings, my mother would open up all the windows in the house, would feel swollen with breezes, breezes coming up from over the James River. You see, our house sat on the southernmost edge of a hill, Churchill, and it overlooked the river. And on days when the trees were bare, I could see the river, but most of the time, I could only hear The sounds of river life. This particular morning, I was home alone, except for the presence of a man I'd known all of my life, Maurice Talaferro. Maurice Talaferro was an old man by then, but we still turned to him as our primary contractor when work had to be done around the place. We hadn't seen one another for many years, Mr. Talaferro and I, and he stopped by my room to say hello and he asked me, nicely of course, to give an account of myself. I did, saying as little as I could politely get away with. He then recalled for me, as if spinning a yarn, just how long he'd known us. My father's first house purchase, a home he'd bought for his then wife and their unborn child, both of whom Subsequently and tragically died in childbirth in 1941. Mr. Talaferro had worked on that house. He went on to say how happy he'd been for my dad when he married my mother and they had my brother and me. Doubly blessed, of course, when they had me. <laughs> he told me that he remembered hanging that wallpaper in my room. The blue paper. The one with the balloons and the airplane. I was moved by that and told them that, of course, I would always have those images with me. Then, then he said, now look at you, all grown up and taking your place. He paused and looked far off, and as he returned his painter's hat to his head, now bald, he said, sometime. I know that we're just passing through. And he silently turned away to get back to work. The sweetness, just passing through. As my dad and I drove away, I told him about that poignant comment. He said, quite calmly and softly, without emphasis or emotion, and thus adding to the weight of it, He said, Rye, you are not free to simply pass through life. You're not doing enough. He said not another word about that. He didn't need to. I knew precisely what he meant. And I knew also that he was absolutely right. I was not meeting expectations. I was reminded that sometimes we hear, you know, that still small voice that carries a very big message. And there has rarely been any day when I have not prayed and asked for strength and most importantly strength of will to do enough. Rare is the day that I do not think of Maurice Telefero, my father in that morning, those faithful men and women who stand up to testify and to bear witness And so I thank you for this day, for this chance to be with you yet again, to testify and to bear witness and to sing the praises of the Lord. Amen.